Hey everyone, I'm Shorty. And I'm Tiles. And we are having a moment. We're two brown babes from Melbourne, Australia, just trying to live our best lives while handling this thing called adulting. Cue the music. Alrighty, hi everyone. Hi. <laughs> hey, how are you going? Good. How are you? How, tell Good. us, how have you lived your best life this week? Um. Oh, this week I rode a horse for the first time in seven years, and it was so 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 nice. Like, I'm such a big horse girl, saddle cob forever. Um, <laughs> but I hadn't ridden since I moved out of home. Uh, but because I'm back in the country at the moment, self isolating, it was the best and my body was just immediately like this is what we missed <laughs> so it was so nice how about you girl how are you living your best life hmm how am I living my best life I think I've actually really put the time in to read things that make me feel happy so uh, as I said last week I'm not really a big reader a uh, re-reader rather but I absolutely have been rereading some of my favorite mangas again and oh. it's so nice it's so good I'm just reliving all those teenage dreams and it's mm-hmm. so <laughs> cute. Ah, oh, riding a horse, rereading manga, just, you know, going back to our youth, I think yeah. is the theme is the theme of today and I think that fits in super nicely with our book for this week's book club. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. How exciting. Uh so we read this month Conversation with Friends by Sally Rooney, the Irish author. Um, this was her debut novel. She also got a lot of accolade with um, Normal People, published a couple of years ago. Uh, Conversation with Friends was the winner of the Sunday Times Young Writer of the Year Award. Mm. And I'm excited for our discussion. I'm very excited. Have you read both of her books? No, I haven't. Ah, okay. We're going to have really interesting opinions on this one. I can tell. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. <laughs> okay, so Tals, tell me, what was your first impression of the book after you'd finished it? What what stuck in your mind? After I'd finished it. Mm. Um, to coin a phrase, I liked how it was about sort of normal people. Like, yes, you know the poets and writers and photographers and actors are like the main characters within this novel but like they're bloody flawed and complex and raw I guess my that's my word that's my word with these books but like there was nothing perfect about any of these characters and that really stuck with me and you know it wasn't the sort of book where you walk away at the end thinking and they all walked off into the sunset, living happily. <laughs> um, it's you know not sort of that sort of ending, but it was it was believable. Like all the characters are believable; they're just so human. So that's what stuck with me. How about you? Mm, no, I I completely agree. I I would go so far as to say that Sally Rooney's really strong point with her writing is her character building. Mm. She's so fantastic at indirect characterization and demonstrating insecurity like both of her novels are narrated through a first person narrator Mm -hmm. so you get this very limited perspective and understanding of other characters but the um, descriptions that we do get from all of her narrators and especially in this case from Francis the the descriptions that we do get of other characters are so easily interpreted um, by both you know Francis as the person experiencing the situation but also as the as a reader you can really think oh I I like I see what Francis is saying but I don't necessarily agree with that and I, I would interpret this a different way which is just so brilliant so I completely agree with you I think her character building is amazing and they're so flawed and so some of them are really beautiful Mm -hmm. in in their flaws Mm -hmm. yeah I agree I think you know at the start of this book when I guess up until sorry the the first third I thought I knew what I wanted I thought I knew who I was rooting for and I thought I had all the characters down pat um but you just you don't and I think by the end I was just so overwhelmed with compassion for everyone. 
and the character who you see at the start and you think, oh, I don't know if I like you or I don't know how I feel about you by the end. Like, I feel like I can't make a judgment on you because I, I, there was so much of myself that I saw in so many of the characters. Um, mm-hmm. And I think for me this book, like I spent like the rest of the day that I, I finished reading it just thinking about compassion. I think this book was such an exercise in compassion and I looked back at people through my life um, you know, echoing like my thoughts on the book, like, oh, maybe I don't like this character. And I look back at sort of through my life and I thought there's not a single person who, whom I know, like who I have had uh, any sort of relationship with in my life, whether it's a very fleeting um, acknowledgement of each other during our school years or, you know, whatever sort of connection I've had with this person. There isn't a single person who I don't think I can look on with uh, who I look back on without compassion. I just have compassion for every single person I know in my life. Hmm. That's so interesting that you say that. But may I ask then, like, was there a particular character you found to be the most morally ambiguous for you? Oh. Like in terms of this newfound compassion that you have and that you can now take into your own life, which, which character really sparked that for you? I think it was all of them. No, not accepting no, it. No, you have to pick. No, I'm not. I refuse <laughs> because I like at the end for every different for all the, so the main four characters you have Francis, Bobby, and Nick, and Melissa. I ended the book feeling so differently about them to how I started the book for every single one of them. So yeah, I. I honestly don't think I, I don't agree one. with that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, like personally, I started the book thinking all of them were exactly the same. And then I ended the book thinking all of them are exactly the same. All of them are when you say master exactly the same. Do you mean you, you felt exactly the same way around them or you thought their characters were all like with the I same character with different manifestations? Same, no, um, like all of them are performance artists. Mm-hmm. And they began as performance artists with these immaculate facades and they remained performance artists with their immaculate facades. I don't think any of them actually let down their walls. And I know that that's a, a really, like I know that that's a human thing within itself. But like I think I think what it is is that Rooney, for me, even with normal people as well, she really excels at capturing insecurity and miscommunication mm-hmm. um, and the issues that stem from them, like like the issues that stem from miscommunication due to insecurity. But I don't think she effectively deals with that. Mm. Mm. Um, I think her characters are in a constant state of comparison with each other, like whether that be to like their best friend or the love interest or the people that surround the love interest or, or whatever it is, I think her characters are, like, I don't think they grow. Mm. I would be inclined to agree. Like, I also completely agree that I don't think any of her characters changed. It was the way I felt about them that changed. Um, Ooh. And I, but I think that that is definitely, like, part of the reason why I liked it so much in that, you know, you don't always have to have the hero's epiphany. And I can think of a lot of people I know who, like, um, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Directly. Oh, that could be problematic. <laughs> um, that's okay. Problematic is okay. Like, you know, you, we, we read so many books, particularly about human relationships and interconnectedness and love and sexuality and everything, where there comes some sort of epiphany or some sort of awakening about the central character, whether they realise, I don't actually need this person, this person isn't good for me, or this person, um, whatever the case is. And hmm. I think it's really, re- like, refreshing for that not to happen. And because I think that is, it's common. Not everyone goes through that epiphany. Not everyone has that moment of self-realisation and self-actualization. Um, 
it's so funny you say that. I actually think narrate like the narrator Francis has too many of them. Really? I do. I found oh, I just so for example, she has this epiphany about um her friend Bobby and she has it's actually let's rephrase that entire sentence. She has several epiphanies about Bobby um throughout the course of the novel. She has several epiphanies about Nick and none of them amount to anything at all ever mm. it's just I found that her like it was just like extra prose mm. so I, I found entire sections of this book should have not been put into the final edit of it <laughs> it's so interesting because I like I think I thought it was just so well written it was so massively written I thought everything was there with like such purpose and I feel like that those sort of extra bits of prose were there because that's the sort of character that Frances is, because she is wildly intellectual and um, internal and she in- internalises everything. And I think she mm-hmm. overcomplicates a lot of things and then like, sim- like excessively simplifies other things. So I felt mm-hmm. like it was, and, you know, for me that like the, the mental health twist that this book turned was Mm -mm. so interesting and unexpected and like there's a quote on the very first page and it's not at all a spoiler like it's literally first page it reveals nothing (laughs) i felt excited ready for the challenge of visiting a stranger's home already preparing compliments and certain facial expressions to make myself seem charming and i like had to remind myself that this was a library book and i couldn't underline and highlight and scribble all over it but that quote, I was like, God damn you, Rooney, how dare you put me on a page without my permission? <laughs> like there was just so much of Frances's, I can't remember, I might have said Bobby before, but I meant Frances. Um, her internal monologue, and because it's written in first-person narration, so her internal monologue, so much of it resonated with me. Less so as the novel went on, um, but definitely in the first sort of third, I was like, damn, 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 damn. Um, but that, like, I thought, you know, this is exactly how a 21-year-old thinks and writes and acts. And I was like, I still bloody tell myself, okay, you're going to a stranger's house. Be cool. <laughs> Just chill. You'll be fine. Like, that's such a, a big like thing for me and you know that it's really something how my like anxiety manifests we're going, we're going deep into mental health here folks but like my anxiety mm-hmm. definitely manifests in these new situations and going to a stranger's house particularly someone who I feel like is superior to me in a way um not in like you know morally or anything but perhaps they're wealthier or you know they're older mm-hmm. or they're something um but I'm I have to like talk myself into it and I pre-prepare things and I think about my face a lot. And there's this, you know, Frances continuously talks about how she, sometimes she looks in the mirror and she's shocked by seeing her own face because she Mm. has taken on aspects of the personalities, people around her um, that she expects to see their face. And like in her relationship with Bobby, like I see a lot of, our relationship as well Mm. Um, not like the bad aspects because I think their relationship is very (laughs) interesting um but you know sometimes I like sort of look at myself in the mirror I'm like oh shit it's Charles it's not shorty like I kind of expect to see your face sometimes (laughs) because I've been you know I've been thinking what would shorty do in this situation or like Mm. that's so true I completely understand that I, I I think that's that was the strength of her writing, like the fact that she, that Frances never, like, or very infrequently, actually narrates the story as if when people are speaking, that she uses quotation marks to indicate that they're actually speaking, and she says it on behalf of them within the narration. I think that absolutely speaks to how she internalizes everything, and and how those, um, like, that's that's as you said, that's what my inner monologue does when I'm like recounting stories to people. As much as I try and say it like the person who did say the thing. I'm going to say it in the shorty mm-hmm. way. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I totally, I completely agree. It was kind of nice to see a female friendship 
reflected kind of like as that like intensity of a female friendship mm. is so nice to see on a page mm-hmm. it might even it, do you know what I I have another question for you mm-hmm. like if you were to so take a scene so um Francis is continually describing Bobby yeah um all the time and with really beautiful nuanced details mm-hmm. how do you think Bobby would describe Francis I think in the same way almost like you know often we're quite often presented with this focus of uh, this perspective of body uh, Bobby being quite <laughs> harsh brash um you know highly effervescent abrasive abrasive caustic <laughs> like but then you get these really beautiful little insights where there's a scene at the beach and um, Bobby says, oh, you know, we were talking about you as we walked down to the water to Francis. Um, so, you know, that we were saying how impressive you were. And Francis mm. says, because Bobby wasn't looking at me, I got the feeling that she was the one saying how impressive I was. I think they're like at the beginning of the novel, I sort of think, was thinking, oh, their relationship is so unequal. Bobby is such a taker, da, 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 da. Mm. But I really rethought that perspective because I think, you know, you know, Francis is also absolutely a taker. Um, mm. But they <laughs> they give a lot to each other, and I think one of the most, possibly the only relationship that like actually evolves in a positive way is Bobby and Francis. <laughs> like, is their connection to each other? And you see them go through, like, they're 21. They're learning how to be an adult. They're learning how to be independent. They're, like, out in this world that's not really made for them. Um, mm. mistakes, but they keep coming back to each other. And even though at the end of the novel, like, you sort of wonder what's going to happen next because it's, you know, it doesn't, not everything's tied up neatly. But, you know, one of the sort of the final things Frances says about Bobby is how much she means to her I know I've gone slightly off the question you've asked me but I think that you know Bobby would also look at Frances in that beautiful way like she's very she says at times like I feel like I'm watching you disappear like Bobby is very aware of Frances so yeah it's I I really I think I would like to reread this and this time read it through Bobby and Francis's relationship, which I think is part of the intention of the book, but I really want to hone in on it this time. Like because now that I know the plot and I know what's going to happen, I just want to focus on their relationship because I love it. It's You're... flawed. No, go on, please. Fiery and so many different things, and I just I love it. And honest. Mm. I think what I liked most about their relationship was, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll give you this. I'll give you this. Mm. It did grow more honest. Yeah. Over time. Yeah. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) It, that, that, okay, that definitely did grow, um, that relationship. You're right. Mm, Maybe I will reread this at some point. I do have another I do have several other questions for you yeah. though. If if you don't mind I, me going off. Please, because I know that you like we have very different opinions on this book. This is true. Okay, so um and you did you you spoke to this a little a little while ago, but I think um it'd be interesting to hear you expand on it. So was there a moment that really spoke to an emotion you felt but had previously been unable to voice? Um I'd say sort of, oh, I don't know. If I'd read this at 21, absolutely. Mm. But reading it a few years after, I'm, I feel like I, you know, I've, I've done the 21. I've done like I, I've been where Frances is at at life in terms of like figuring herself out, figuring her mental health out or ignoring it whichever <laughs> um so I don't I don't think there's anything that I 
couldn't put into words before I read this, but there were some things that were really beautifully summed up in a way that maybe, you know, I would have not been as pleasing about it or like aesthetic about it. But like, you know, that first part where Mm. she says, I I thought about um, how I have to act going to this house. Or when she talks about her like expecting to see a different face in the mirror. Um, Mm. Yeah. Those parts really resonated with me. And yeah, Mm. I just like, I think that Rooney did such a fantastic job with capturing the mind of a 21-year-old, again, in a world completely outside of her realm of experience and that mm. is not necessarily made for her. Like it's not, it's not like success is guaranteed for her. Yeah, oh. and I, I think going off that, that idea, talking about age, um, between the four characters, there's Bobby and Francis and then Melissa and Nick and the age gap is something that I found to be just continually re-emphasized. Mm. Um, and I think what Rooney does is she exposes, exposes <laughs> um, how adults aren't really anything more than babies, just mm. trying to figure out mm-hmm. how to crawl still, which I did really, really like. And um, I think as everything unfolds towards the end, hearing things from other characters' perspectives, um, it definitely just, like, it really drove that point home to me. Like, this is not only not Francis's world, but everyone seems to tr- struggle to adjust to mm. it. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, you, you look like, you know, the uh, older couple, Melissa's a photographer and writer and Nick's an actor, like not Hollywood level or anything, um, but you kind of look at them and they have this beautiful house and they're white and successful and this, you know, everything, mm. take holidays in France for the summer. And you think, and handsome and attractive yeah. and all of those. And they know all these beautiful, fabulous people. And you think, well, you know, they should have their lives together. They should be um, happy. happy. And, like, it's just I think it was, you know, it, was, it would have been very easy for Rooney to write that novel, but she didn't. Mm. Um, yep. And, it, like, you know, it, it speaks the whole like the the perfection facade that everyone is constantly confronted with, like on social media and in our day-to-day lives and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like, you know, it cracks beneath that. And it, mm. it made me think about, like, you know, just made me think about a lot of things, but it's like you know, it, it would be very easy to write the novel that you you expect from the first quarter or the first third. It would have been so easy to write that novel. Um, but life's not easy and people make decisions for reasons completely unknown to anyone but themselves and sometimes even unknown to themselves. And so you're kind of like it's satisfying in a completely unsatisfying way. That you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like you know, the anti-catharsis. You're going. Um, that is a stupid decision. What are you doing? And you, you've got <laughs> nothing. You can't help this person in any way. You can't reach out to them. Like, and it makes like mm. that's that's life. You can't reach out to everyone. People are going to settle. People are going to just, you know, be happy in their misery, and because that's what they know. And you know, they'll go through life and be fine. Um. So. Yeah, the um, inertia of humanity. Hmm. Gosh, hmm. okay. <laughs> I feel like this is the most sort of uh, effervescent I've been in a book club so far. I just think this book was <laughs> It has that effect and I think her writing has that effect. It's very inspiring and there's this beautiful sheen of intellectualism to her prose mm. that – um, I think she does, she masterfully inserts into everyday conversations. And I think obviously she chooses her settings very carefully. So this is set, um, as you said, 21 year olds into university, they're creatives, they're, um, passionate. Yep. They're passionate about what they're studying. They want to insert their knowledge into every conversation. It feels natural for them to be talking about things like neoliberalism mm. and, 
how like and 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 things like uh non-monogamy and all of that stuff it feels completely natural there's constant references to the class divide Mm -hmm. yeah um all of those things that you know maybe in another novel would have felt you know oh they're being too overt this is trying to make just too much of a statement about it um you know in regards to Frances's family and her insecurities about you know how she was raised and things like that all of that um felt natural and didn't seem to um come from come from nowhere or feel out of place within her writing which I did really appreciate it was nice to read something that I had to go and Google words for mm. and be like, what does that mean? Oh, I didn't even do um, that. I was like, I don't know that. It is <laughs> on with the story. <laughs> it, yeah, it was, that was that was quite nice. And I think, um, and my question for you as well after I've answered it myself is like, how, how what, like, what are your thoughts on Rooney's writing style? And I do think it's, it truly is the character building that, that does it for me. I actually don't particularly like her writing style. I don't think um, it's pretty enough for me. Mm. <laughs> I don't think it's fluid enough for me. She's quite static in her writing style. I um, mean, in her sentence structure and in her prose and things like that, it reads as very direct. Um, and I think I just like more metaphors and figurative language in my writing that makes me like fight to, to try and figure it out. Um, but yeah, I, I do think I can understand why she has won so many awards and why her writing speaks to so many people. How about you, Tiles? Like, what what are your thoughts on her writing style? Um, I think I well, I really liked it because I think if this was like a third person narration, it wouldn't have appealed to me in the same way. But because it's first person, it really did. And you know, this is something I, t- I tell my kids about all the time like if you're writing in the third person write how you think not many of us think in four five six syllable words like, <laughs> so you know it you know it echoed how I think a lot it's it's short it's sharp I go all over the place I'm not like you know suddenly start occasionally I do think in French but that's my <laughs> own weird little thing um so I, I, I liked it in that. I, I can see why it would have drawbacks for you. And, like, I, I know how much you love um, love language and um, the writing style and, like, flowery language and everything. Um, it's true. <laughs> and I think that, you know, speaks to us as being very different readers. Like, I read mm. very much for plot. Um, Ooh. And I, like... I'm not much of a, like a connoisseur in my writing styles and language and the things I like, if you have to say, what sort of writing style do you like when you're reading? I couldn't narrow it down. Um, ah. Like read for plot. And like, I was thinking about this the other day. So Shorty and I have often had this conversation about how we listen to music. Um, mm. And a, if a piece of music is going to grab me and speak to me, it is because of the actual, the music of it like the instruments, the sounds they're making. That is the first thing I hear. Um, and then I'll start to pick up on lyric. Oh, then I sort of, the thing I'll hear next is um, the tone of the voice and how the voice itself sounds. And the last thing, the very last thing I pay attention to is lyrics. Um, and I like, you know, that's very much also how I get through the right, like a book, not get through it like mm. myself, but. Um, you know, I'm I'm there for the, like the plot and the yeah you know, the characters and everything. Um, what a lovely comparison! That's so true. Mm. Um, because as you said, I um, definitely the first thing I pick up on is the lyrics and the melody of the lyrics. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, so true. You've just blown my mind a little bit. I need a, I need an, I need five to seven business days to process that. <laughs> we'll be back first. Um, but I have a question for you, and it's not as anywhere near as thought provoking. But it was something I actually meant to ask you before we recorded, um, and then I'm just excited we're going to ask it now. In turn, like writing style, what do you think about writers or this book or whatever? In that 
they don't use quotation marks. I don't mind it. Mm. Um, I don't mind them not using quotation marks. I read this fantastic book by David Eggers told completely in um, dialogue with no quotation marks, just hyphens to um, demonstrate that a new person was speaking. I love when people play with the formatting. It actually makes me really, really excited. And I thought that one of the most innovative things about um, conversation conversations with friends, cough, um, was that there were no quote or barely any quotation marks things that were said aloud had more meaning for me because I knew that I like now I had the opportunity to interpret them on my own I got excited to read when someone else other than Francis was speaking how about Mm. you girl what do you think I yeah I don't like I don't mind it I quite like it I, I feel but sometimes I feel like my eyes need that break like they need the quotation mark otherwise it just sort of starts to run on um and I have to go back mm-hmm. and think oh actually no sorry this is someone else speaking like this isn't Bobby's narration uh, Francis's narration this is something someone has said um mm-hmm. yeah I I liked it I yeah I don't have a huge opinion on it but I did want to know what you thought about it I've been thinking about it recently and it's something that I like, so oftentimes I'll read students' work and I'll be like, excuse me, where the punctuation uh-huh. at? And they're like, miss, it's for, it's creative choice. And I'm like, no, 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 you understand, you misunderstand. In order to make creative choices, you need to fully understand and have mastered like yeah. basic grammar. Yes. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. You can't be creative when you don't know the basics yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it, it definitely took me um, – longer than normal people because normal people didn't have that you know creative choice of no no quotation marks but Mm. um I didn't I didn't hate it I I found it very very clever I thought that was clever Mm. writing but I do see how it would be exhausting because I did feel that myself Mm. I totally get that yeah What a what a novel! <laughs> I know. So much to say, so much to think about. Like totally. even the peripheral characters, like Valerie. Oh my god, I have a okay, question okay, for you. I'm ready. A, okay, how did you know? This is bizarre. My actual last question <laughs> is: If you were placed into this world as a peripheral character, who would you be? <laughs> oh, probably Valerie, because she's a bitch and hates everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that was my choice. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's so funny please yeah. continue on with your point though I don't know I, I'd probably be Francis's mum <laughs> just trying to get by <laughs> um, does that make me um, no <laughs> don't want to spoil it for anyone <laughs> yeah I don't yeah Valerie annoys me like Oh, she just encapsulates all of that wealth yeah. that they're all constantly shitting on throughout the novel. Yeah, like there's even that, you know, I'm trying to oh, find the thing to talk about. Anyway, oh, yes, here we go. Okay. Valerie spoke with a moneyed British accent too rich to be comical. She and Derek talked about publishing and the rest of us were quiet. Valerie thought a lot of people in publishing were charlatans and hacks, but she seemed to find it funny rather than depressing. At one point, she removed a smudge from her wine glass with a corner of her napkin, and we all watched Melissa's face, which contracted and fell like a piece of wire spring. And I was just like, I know who exactly, I I know who Valerie is. I know that person. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And Absolutely. Like, oh, like The characters in the novel come from different classes. Like we have... Francis is probably the low, lowest class represented, um, mm-hmm. important distinction. She does not represent the lowest class, but she's the lowest class that's represented. Um, and then mm-hmm. you have Bobby, Nick and Melissa who all come like from an upper class um, and which Bobby like is quite resentful of because she's this anti-establishment. Um, Anarchist. Pretty much. Yep. Feminist. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and, you know, Nick and Melissa who inhabit this um, – Upper class, Nick by birth, we're not really sure about Melissa, whether she's just sort of 
gained that through marriage and her prestige in her um, work environment or whatever. Um, but, they, you know, they're, they're comfortable there. They do sometimes question it and they, they question their whiteness and being like, you know, how it, it's problematic for us to say, oh, this was too hard to watch when talking about um, police violence against, Af- against African-Americans. Um, mm-hmm. Like they're, you know, quotation marks, woke. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> like they still are very comfortable within their tier. And then you have like Valerie who's like tosh, upper class. Blah, blah, blah. That old, I think they describe her as old, old. Money. Yeah, yeah, and this, mm. yeah, and then you know she comes back later and tries to butter Francis up and everything. But I don't, mm-hmm. I don't actually think I saw myself represented in any of the peripheral characters, and Ooh. I don't think like there were aspects I related to in the main characters, but. You know, it wasn't be like, yeah, I'm that person, or like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm de- I would definitely be this person in this novel. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, and you know, there were aspects that really annoyed me, like the the kind, the very brush off way that a lot of like a lot of people approached mental health, um, and like, you know, oh, you know, they'll get over it, or you know, oh, if you just Mm. do this or maybe do that or like oh no, do, 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 do. um it's quite and it's a common thing like if people don't understand if they don't experience it they're uncomfortable with it they're like ah oh, maybe you should just deal with this and because i can't deal with it off you go um yeah anyway i digress what do you no i oh what was your question i was just going to ask you your question like, who would you be if you're a peripheral character um I think you are quite right when you say, I, like, I definitely feel reflected to some extent in every character and can, could see aspects of myself in every character. But I think I can't really pick a character that I would be. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if I was to, um, you know, try and, and put myself into someone's shoes, just, just, you know, put myself there to walk around and see what it's like, I would want to put myself into Philip's role. Mm. So Philip is mm-hmm. um, doing an internship with Francis. He desperately wants a job yeah. um, at the company that they're working for. Um, and I would love to walk around in his shoes because I love – no, that's wrong. I don't love. In fact, I detested how his character progressed and how he seemed to embody everything that Francis and Bobby were working against. Mm-hmm. There's that scene where she – like. Philip shares a look with this guy that they all hate. And Francis is like, yes. why would you look at him? Like you don't even like him. What sort of bro code secret glance are you giving each other that's like undermining yeah, what like, stand for? Absolutely. You're falling back on your white male privilege mm-hmm. in this situation where you're clearly feeling, um, you know, insecure yeah. and like you you don't have the power and therefore you're falling back on this system of power that you know just somehow arbitrarily you have the the most amount of it in um but also how he seems to embody heteronormativity mm-hmm. how he's judgmental he's morally you know uptight and all of that stuff i would love to walk around in his shoes for a, try and empathize with a character like that because to it like at the end i just absolutely detested him um and i would love to know like the fuck bruh what are you doing mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, what's yeah. his story? Um, not that he needs any more space to tell a story. There are plenty of white men out there that have more than enough space. Um, I just, like, he seems so promising at the start. Like, we were rooting mm. for you. We were all mm. rooting for you. Is that not the war cry of our lives? Oh, my God. So true. <sighs> Actually, do you know what? That was the war cry of this novel and of our lives. Like, we were rooting yeah. for you. That's absolutely. <laughs> we, yeah. Yep. I was like, yeah, I, this, this, this is not what I wanted to happen. But so, like, you know, it, like, it's an exercise in the utter lack of control you have over the lives of people around you. Just as I had, there was no way I could change the trajectory of this book. Very rarely am I able to, like, completely change the trajectory of someone's life and be like, 
hey, dude, I think you're making a bad decision, but ultimately the choice is not in my hands. Yeah. Like I think yep. it's one of the biggest things I took away from it is that the only person that you have absolute control over is yourself. And if you don't take advantage of that, I don't even say what's the point, but like kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Mm. I think as well. um, No, go on. No, no, no. You go. Um, I'm going to make a totally new point. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, please do. Like it says on the back of like on the blurb, um, Frances is forced to honestly confront her own vulnerabilities for the first time. And I think that was something that annoyed me in that there, you know, there's, there's a section where she says, I suddenly realized how vulnerable I was because, you know, she presents herself as this caustic, non-emotional, like very smart, witty person um, to protect herself really. Um, and she you know, says, I had I said something like, I, I had to think about how vulnerable I was. Or I realized how vulnerable I was, but she then doesn't do anything with it. Yep. You're left to think maybe, maybe she lets people in more after the end of the novel. Like maybe she changes, but there's no evidence of that. Totally. Yeah. Um, I've actually forgotten the point I was going to make, but. Oh, no. No, no, it's so fine. I love that point. I think several characters explore this idea of mental health and, you know, the attitudes that are prevalent towards it um, and how attitudes are changing. But, like, at the end of the day, no one communicates about it. It's all done, mm. um, for the most part, it's done electronically. It's mm. so yep. little of it is done face-to-face in this novel. And that frustrates me because we cannot mm. read tone. Mm. Yes. That's Frances's issue. So much of her life is lived online. So much of it because she – and here's the thing. So when I was working at a brand called Aesop, which is one of my – like all-time favorite places to have worked at. It's a lovely company to work for. Um, And there's this really fantastic quote about the head of the company um, where he says, I don't like conducting interviews in person. I like conducting them via email because I can consider what I'm going to say. Mm. And so much of Frances's life is like that. She's a poet. She has, she, she's a performance poet. Her and Bobby, mm-hmm. there's significance in the fact that she's the one that writes the poems um, because she can construct herself and her opinion Mm. and how she's feeling and there's so much to be said for the fact that Bobby doesn't play any part in writing the poem she just performs them because so much of her life to Frances seems spontaneous and in the moment and of the moment Um, and I think that even further like I think that's what pushes Frances even more on the inside it's her hesitance to leave that constructed world and you know dive into something more spontaneous I don't think at any point really does she swim in the ocean apart from once um there's this metaphor of the ocean or the symbolism of the ocean that keeps recurring through the novel it's there's only like once that she goes into it Mm. and even then it's because she um she's with a man at the time yeah i like yeah absolutely and there's that part where nick recounts um an episode in his life where he was really struggling with his mental health um and he says you know, that's the first time I've told that story, like that mm. I've told my own narrative, that I have, that I, I think he says that I was the main character in that story. Yeah. Yep. Because often it's Melissa, his wife, who tells that story and she tells it from her perspective, which is wildly different. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. It's, yeah. So interesting. It is. Ah, Yes. Yep. Yep. I think on that note, I think I'm definitely going to dive into spoilers if I keep going with this conversation, mm-hmm. but I do, Me too. even though, yeah, I, even though I, I didn't love it, I highly recommend this book. And I think if I was to recommend it, like who, who do you think the audience that would benefit most from reading this book is? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she's finally stumped and has nothing to say. Um, I, like, I think if I'd read this book at 21 or like, you know, between 18, 21, 22, 
Hmm. I would have a very different reading of what I have now. And I don't Mm. know if I would have had the same, uh, what's it called? I don't know if omniscience is the right word. I don't think it is, but like. Maybe just bird's eye view of it because you're not living it. Yeah, I think reading it now, later in life, I was able to understand the subtext a lot more. Um, I think if I'd read it at the same age as Bobby and Francis are, a lot of a lot of the subtext would have passed me by. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably, you know, say, "Hey, I'm like twenty five up." I really, mm. don't. I hate this question <laughs> so much. <laughs> Fair. Um, I, I think, I actually, ooh, my tummy just rumbled. Um, <laughs> I don't think. Um, I think obviously this is definitely for someone who's entered uni at least, or like they've gone past school. They're, they're at the point in their life where they're starting Mm -hmm. to become an Mm -hmm. adult um, and an independent adult at that. But I think you're right when you say you gain wildly different things, depending on the age you read this book at. Mm. So I think if you're looking for something to find a shared experience with, read this in your early twenties. And if you're looking for something that can like, I almost had a nostalgic kind of um, fond feeling when, when reading some sections of this um, in, you know, my old age. (laughs) So if you're older, um, you'll still, you'll still benefit from this. There's still um, a lot of warmth you can take from this very cold novel. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I, yeah. Wait, anyway. Don't worry, ignore me. <laughs> okay, so Tiles, what is your rating of this book using your Goodreads rating system? I struggle, but I gave it five stars. Ooh, interesting. It is not the sort of book that I would usually give five stars, um, but I, I, I did, did not feel right to give it four. Like I maybe could have given it four and a half, but that also just seems like... I thought about the reasons why I shouldn't give it five stars and I was like, that's all bullshit, just do it. So, yeah, I gave it five stars. I thought it's like, um, oh, like it's, what's it called? Like help, like like the relationships are so normal. They're like healthy and unhealthy and harsh and cruel and fragile and tender and all these different things. Um, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah, it it left me yeah. with quite an impression. How about you? Is it three stars where you wouldn't pick it up again, but you didn't hate it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it three stars. Mm-hmm. Um, she just isn't the writer for me. If this, if her, like I would go out of my way and I'm not a watcher. I would go out of my way to watch both of her books made into TV shows, not movies, mm-hmm. TV shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would absolutely watch them because I'd be fascinated to see those dynamics played out on screen, but her yeah. writing's just not for me, unfortunately. Fair, very fair. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to me ramble. I felt like I just barely stopped talking this episode. But do you know what? I actually found that a lot of my views were either shifted slightly in the positive or I had a much better understanding of what was going on in the novel listening to you. So thank you for rambling in the first place. My pleasure. Would you like to tell everyone our plan for next (laughs) book club? Because you summed it up really nicely before. I would not have put it in such a nice way. Well, <clears throat> dear momenters, boy, do we have a surprise for you. Just when you thought these English teachers couldn't get any more Englishy, um, our next text for book club. Um, now, you, you'll remember if you, you know, go back to our previous episode on reading, uh, that we, we came kind of to a consensus that reading doesn't just look like opening up a novel and sitting down with it. Um, Reading looks like 
many things and many things are texts. So we thought we'd venture out, change up the format because we've mastered the basics. We can move into being creative with the format. Um, and we're going to read some fan fiction. Mm-hmm. So we're diving into the pulp realm. My and friends, we are. Any fan fiction. We are specifically reading Harry Potter fan fiction. With specific pairings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because let's be real, Hermione and Ron should just never have happened. Never. Not in a million years. It was a, a travesty that that's how that ended up. However, we will be correcting those wrongs by reading some fan fictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so excited about it. And we will link them um, the week before yeah. our episode, um, because we're going to read through a couple of them and then see which ones we'd actually like to talk about. But I think it'll be so fun to yeah. speak about a different type of writing altogether. And you don't read fan fiction for the fancy prose. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm so excited about it. I think it was such a great idea, Tiles. I'm so glad that we're going ahead with that. I think it'll be fun. I think if nothing else, we are going to get a lot of laughs. Absolutely. If you have fanfics that you actually would recommend to us, Harry mm-hmm. Potter ones preferred, but we are open to other other um, fandoms. Other fandoms. Um, please hit us up at Having a Moment Podcast um, mm-hmm. on Instagram and let us know what like, what are your favorite fanfics. Yeah. I am particularly, you know, partial to ones for video games. So just hit yeah. me up. <laughs> You can also leave us a voice recording on Anchor. Uh, we are having a moment podcast there as well. Uh, we'd love to hear your voice. Uh, let's make this into a bit of a conversation. Um, but mm. as always, thank you so much for listening. Season two, guys, it's so much fun. Um, if you're new, welcome. If you've been here a while, welcome back. Uh, we're excited to see where this season goes. Absolutely. And can I just give a little shout out at the end of this episode to my very dear friend, Travis Bishop, who is <laughs> always listening to us and never fails to send me a message telling me his thoughts on the episode. I'm it's like, thank you so much, Travis. You are so lovely. You are like just a pleasure, just an absolute pleasure and a treasure. And we treasure you. So thank you so much. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye, Charles. Bye, Shorty. Bye, guys.